You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the word. Oh, rejoice and be glad. James chapter 5. Let's move right into into some battle strategy against Satan this morning and take your weapon, which is the Word, and go to the writing of James, which is in the latter part of the New Testament. Oh, everybody know Jesus is for you, not against you. Say amen. There are several verses in this book of James that speak about the power of prayer and how to pray effectively. One of those verses I will use this morning in verse 16 of chapter 5. And it reads as follows. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Keep it open. We pastors and preachers look for three-point outlines. They're the most popular, three-point outlines. I'm going to get more than that out of this, but, but here it is in the latter part of verse 16. The first is the effective. Hey, if I'm going to pray, I want it to work. The kind of prayer that works, the second point in this three-point outline is fervent prayer. Not just lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. That's, that was your elementary days of serving God. You got bigger giants to fight now. Fervent means I'm batting down the hatch. I'm getting ready for the fight. Third point, righteous man. I won't talk about that this morning, but I'm going to need the help of the Holy Ghost. And all of us are going to need the help of the Lord because Satan hates us and God loves us. And we're already winners. Point your hand. Point your hand this way. Come on. Say a prayer for me this morning. And in praying for me, I'll help you because God will help me and us. Father, oh, I will rejoice and be glad. This is wonderful that we can rejoice and be glad. I speak healing over this congregation. I speak life in this congregation. I speak restoration. Oh, God, I thank you for every broken heart. I speak that you would anoint me and anoint us together in the Word. Father, empty me of any carnal thing that would try to draw attention to myself. And fill me with the wisdom of the words of God. I know my limitations. And I need to know, the Lord, that you are limitless. Bless us together in your Word. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open there, please. My brothers and sisters, because of this being the week of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow... I want to prepare you for it. For the last two Sundays, I've talked about prayer and fasting, so I don't need to go back and re-preach all that. The posters have been out. It's been in the worship folder for weeks now that we're going to set aside this next week, Monday through Friday, for prayer and fasting. There will be no men's prayer time. It'll happen here. We have started a wonderful uh, program for men, discipleship on Monday nights. But in the original plan, we would forego tomorrow night. Those of you who went to class last Monday night, we're foregoing that for only one week. Only one week because we're coming in here. Corporate prayer. Can I get an amen? amen. And so, what I, what I want to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning is I want to give you some, some principles, rules, laws from the Bible that helps prayers to get through. Uh, I, what I'm saying is, because let me, let me put it this way. We're going to be praying. You're going to pray personally in your home, in your car, whatever during the day. You're going to fast whatever fast you choose. You're going to fast a normal fast. You're going to fast a partial fast or a Daniel fast or absolute fast. I'm declaring to you what I'm going to fast because it's a corporate fast and we're all going to do it together. Okay, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do right now so I'll be accountable when Satan says, that pizza looks mighty good. Nobody knows what you're going to fast so they won't know that you're breaking your fast. Let me tell you something. When you start to fast, you're going to have friends who are always uh, causing you to pay their way when you all get out to eat. When you choose to fast, they're going to offer to pay your way. And you're going to think, oh, my Lord. Rebuke them in Jesus' name and tell them you'll be available next week. When you go to fast, you're going to face with all kinds of reasons why Satan says you can't. Now, it's my desire to fast all week, but I'm, I want to start off tomorrow morning and go through Wednesday night with just water and juice. And I, 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 that's one of the ways I want to go. And then the rest of the week, I want to maybe do the same or otherwise. You have to choose if you have health issues or whatever, what you're going to fast. But here is the key. The key is don't just skip a meal. You, you're just dieting and starving. If you just say, okay, count me up. I skipped two meals. You, that, that's, there's no power there. 
There's power with fasting and prayer. That if you had a lunch break for 30 minutes and you usually go out for 30 minutes, but now you're fasting it, take your Bible, go in your automobile, if that's the only private place you have at work in the parking lot, and pray and read. If you're fasting another time and you have, take your Bible, the time you're going to take to prepare the meal or eat the meal, invest it in prayer, taking your requests and interceding to God. Fasting and prayer. Fasting without prayer will give you no power. Okay? Prayer alone will produce power, but prayer and fasting brings power over demons and darkness and spiritual wickedness in places of the human eye cannot see. Warfare going on when you fast and you pray, you pull down strongholds and you build a power that even Satan himself will have to run. Here's, here's what my thinking is by preparing you this morning. James said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want my time in prayer to be a wise investment with God and not me just flapping my lips and hearing myself talk. I I want, if I'm going to fast, I know this about God. I know the Word of God does the work of God. But in order for me to have power, I've got to know the Word of God. So I've got to spend time in prayer and fasting and reading the Bible. Now now what what I've found is even beginning here in James, that there are certain weapons, there are certain uh, rules that help us to get a more immediate answer. There, there are certain uh, ways that we can pray that Satan is afraid of, that he doesn't want you to know about, so that you get maximum results. I had somebody say to me before church, and well-intentioned, and I respect that opinion. They said, Pastor, concerning this Haiti and our giving to Haiti, and this is my same conclusion too, be sure that when the money comes in, that it gets channeled through the right channels so that a lot of it's not tied up in administrative costs or it never gets to that country. I mean, those things can happen. Okay? In other words, what is taking place in Haiti now as to why some of the supplies have not been distributed yet is there's a problem with the, with the means of how can we do this without creating chaos. How can we give all this food, this water, this medicine, etc.? How can all the effort we're doing have the maximum result without chaos? Can can you follow what I'm saying? Now, that's the way I want to say about prayer. I want to say that if you're going to fast and pray, how make it count. Make it count. Uh, One summer, we were at camp meeting in North Georgia, Church of God camp meeting some years ago. I know very little about cars. Very little, okay? And so it was a hot summer day. It was July, and uh, we I went to, to crank up. The, that time it was a, a minivan, a four, uh, maybe call a minivan. It was a Ford Aerostar, a red one, and uh, and so it wouldn't crank. It wouldn't crank at all. And, and I thought, my goodness, what goes on? Well, you know, I went out there to lift up the hood. You know, if you don't know nothing about cars, but you can lift the hood, it looks impressive. <laughs> lift the hood, but it didn't impress the, the engine. Nothing happened. I went back then and click, 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 click. Nothing happened. And I'm thinking, how are we going to, we, we are out of town, we've got to get back home, we've got kids, my wife, etc. We, well, the first thing to do is to call my father-in-law, because he knows a lot about cars. On occasions, you should be grateful for your father-in-law, and he's not here today, and I am, okay. That's a good place to say amen, Pastor J.C. I was waiting, I didn't know if I had to go to the other ten points. Uh, uh, so... My father-in-law, he comes from, he has to come from about 40 minutes away. And he comes and he lifts the hood and he, and he goes to the battery where, where the connections are. You know where I'm headed? And where the connections are, where the pole on the battery, it had been corroded and looked very uh, 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 silver dust-like. and all, you, you know, corrosion is what I'm talking about. Well, he undoes the cable that connects the negative and positive, connects to the batteries. He takes a, a, a pocket knife and scrapes around it. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and then he scrapes around the pole and he kind of dusts off and brushes it off. And, and other people use Coca-Cola. Uh, you ever heard that? When there's corrosion around the battery cable, uh, and Brother Doris Adams is a retired Coca-Cola man, one of our elders. He's retired. No offense to Brother Doris, but can you imagine if it does that to battery cable and battery acid, what it'll do to your belly? Just a thought. Just a thought. He reconnects the cable. He reconnects everything, puts it together. Bam, the, the van cranks up. What happened was there was no power to start the engine because of corrosion, because of something in the way. Can I get an amen here? Because of the obstruction, that van that had a lot of horse, horsepower, had a lot of gasoline, could take me all the way home, I had depended on for a long time, could not even move an inch from its place where it is parked if there was no power going to it. 
I'm telling you, you can pray and fast till you're blue in the face and everybody knows you're suffering. But if you do not have the weapons that God gives you, then you are going to produce little or no results. The first thing you got to do when you pray and fast to get results is to pray with a pure heart. Somebody else say amen. Because I'll take you back to James chapter 5 verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Righteousness is key to getting an audience with God. Let me tell you something else that David said in Psalm 66 and 18. If I regard iniquity, the word iniquity here means unconfessed sin, sins. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Take this and remember, now I'm going to be the teacher, you be the student for a little bit, because I want to give you some resources to pray this week so you can have results. God is not looking for perfect hearts. God is looking for pure hearts. If we go to God and try, try to say we are worthy, we are worthy, we are worthy, God knows us better than we know ourselves. We are not worthy in our own intellect, in our own charm, in our own charisma, in our own family tree or genealogy. We're not worthy. So God is not looking for perfect hearts. He's looking for pure hearts that seek God. The Bible further says to us about this thing of a pure heart in prayer. It says in Isaiah 59 and 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Unconfessed sins. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not, he will not hear us. Here's another reference please. In Micah chapter 3 and verse 4. The prophet Micah says. Then they will cry to the Lord but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. I have no business petitioning God for anything if I have got skeletons of sin in the closets of my heart. I have no business asking God to save my marriage, give me money, give me a job, deliver so and so. If I know I have things in my life that the Bible speaks against and violates the word of God and God cannot bless. God will not bless me to keep on sinning. Somebody ought to say amen. And so what what I'm trying to say to you is, is that in order to get power in this week of prayer and fasting that will produce power for the rest 11 months of 2010, in order to get results, the first thing we got to do when we go to God is if there's anything in us, confess, repent, forsake, and ask God to cleanse, and then move on into the holy of holies where we'll be welcomed. Somebody give the Lord praise. There's a a story about Norman Vincent Peale that comes to mind now. Norman Vincent Peale died some years ago, but he was a great motivational speaker. Very much in demand. He was a wonderful preacher. And he was the kind of person who could take you out of the doldrums and put you on the mountaintop by his zeal, his fervor. Sound like the Zig Ziglar of today. But Norman Vincent Peale tells a story about how, uh, as a boy, he was walking home from school. And uh, on his way home, he found a partial partial cigarette that was still lit. Not cigarette, but cigar. Cigar. Those are nastier than cigarettes. Yeah, I know you'd say, man, that's how I feel. Uh, So his boyhood curiosity caused him to pick it up. And he thought, I wonder what this feel like. I know one thing, it'd make me feel like a big man. Puffing away, so he picked up that cigar and kind of, he went into a sort of more or less traveled back alley to make his way home because he wanted to play with it and suck it a little bit. And so he was doing all that, feeling like a big guy, but he hated the taste. It was terrible, but it made him feel big. So, so as he's walking down on the other side of the alley, here comes somebody coming to him, but he doesn't know who that is. And he, the closer he gets, however, he recognizes his dad. My dad. Meaning Norman's dad. Oh, my Lord. By this time, his father's that close to him that if he flicks it over on the side, his father's going to know readily what's happened. So he's in a, he's in a dilemma, Norman disappear. He hides it behind his back. Partial cigar lighted. And in order to divert the attention of his father from what his father might find, he looks in the alley and, look, and he sees a billboard announcing the arrival of a circus coming to town in a few days. So as his father comes close, he says, look, Dad, look, 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 the circus is coming to town. Dad, can we go to the circus? Let us go to the circus. Please let us go to the circus. His dad responded like this. Son. Never make a petition while at the same time trying to hide smoldering disobedience behind your back. He kept it there long enough, a few other places would have been on fire. Don't you expect? And that's what God says 
Pastor Alan Matura, whoever you are, if I dare come into the place of his presence asking him for stuff when I haven't already taken care of some internal stuff. Search me, O Lord. Say amen, church. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me and cleanse me. And then I can enter in. Come with a pure heart. No sin. Let let me move you then to number two, please, of this kind of prayer that produces power. Pray with a forgiving spirit. Have you ever seen a culture in a time that is so filled with anger in America? There's all kinds of anger stuff. There's all kinds of rage, road rage, airplane rage, uh, restaurant rage. And God forbid if you work for the post office, post office rage. Y'all, y'all know where I'm going? Huh? All kinds of... And what happens is we have a culture like here in Atlanta this week. Somebody goes to the Penske rental place and shoots down five people because they're, they're angry and they're bitter. Three of which dies. Brothers and sisters, there is bitterness and anger in the church pews, in the school systems, in the families, in the marriages, in the world. And this bitterness and wrath hinders the effectiveness of our prayer life. Do you know most all blessings begin at how we do at home? Do you know any blessings beyond, beyond the house cannot be acquired unless we deal with our own heart and our own home first? Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah. You know, if, if we don't have, if we haven't taken care of our own marriage, our own kids, our own responsibility in the house, and love and forgiveness, then we have no business pointing out somebody else's faults. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, be very careful that you rebuke somebody else for the little speck in their eyes while you still have a utility pole sticking out of your head. Well, paraphrase from the Matura version. Yeah. Jesus said this about domestic relationships, family, husband and wife. Colossians 3.18, husbands, love your wife and be not bitter against them. You know, a lot of we husbands, we go into the silent mode and we don't want to discuss and talk and, uh, and do kind of stuff. We go into silence. And sometimes silence is golden. But sometimes when we husbands go into silence mode or some of you ladies go into silence mode, it's because you're getting your argument ready. <laughs> you're stewing and you're fuming and you're nursing it and you're cursing it and you're rehearsing it. Oh, God, I know we have our celebration in March, so i got a few months to get you back nice and good. Bitterness is created in that environment of sometimes silence. Listen to what the Lord says through his apostle Peter. 1 Peter 3, 7 about forgiving spirit. Husbands, giving honor to the wife that your prayers may not be hindered. I tell couples that I counsel, and especially couples of premarital counseling, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If you have a fuss, do not go to bed angry. Call time out and say, we're not going to go to bed angry. We'll pick it up tomorrow and discuss it because your prayers are going to be hindered. Somebody else say amen. amen. Uh, Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that fighting at home can hinder your prayer life? Yeah. I'm also saying that fighting in the car on the way to church on Sunday can also hinder your prayer life. I'm telling you this, and and God knows it's true. My wife and I never fight in the car on the way to church on Sundays. Never. You know why? Because there are two signs out there. It says, parking for the pastor and parking for the pastor's wife. (laughs) We solved that, baby, buddy. Yep. We don't ride to church together. We don't go home together either. We get home eventually, but yeah, we're going to be spiritual. Our prayers are going to get through. So I can tell by the way you're laughing, we're going to need to build some parking decks for you all to drive separately. <laughs> Mark 11 and 25, 26, Jesus said about a forgiving spirit. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Say amen. amen. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Here's the key to forgiveness. It's not because you want to look so nice and get applauded or me. The key to forgiveness is if you expect to be forgiven, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. You remember on one occasion, Peter says to Jesus, how much time should I forgive someone for the same offense? Seven? Well, Peter was trying to use a little psychology on Jesus. Because Peter knew that the Hebrew law said that you're supposed to forgive a person at least three times for the same offense. 
So Peter thought his psychology would be, I'll suggest seven, that's double three, that's six, and one extra, and God will be impressed. Jesus said, you ain't even rung the bell. At least 70 times seven. And he wasn't even talking about mathematics. He was talking about you, Peter. If you intend for me to forgive you. And how many know later on in his ministry he would need forgiveness? Huh? He would, he would be the one that blatantly rejects Jesus when Jesus needed him the most. But the, but the fact of the matter, Jesus said forgiveness is not a spirit, is not a condition of mathematics. Forgiveness is all about the cleansing of the heart. And if I and you expect forgiveness from others and especially from God, I must be a forgiver. Say amen. So when you pray and fast and you feel like your answers are not coming, check this one possibility to see if you're bitter or angry. Please hear me. I deal with that. You deal with it too. Don't let it hinder your prayers. Here's here's a third point, please. Exercise faith in God. First, the first chapter, James, verses 6 and 7, about praying, the scripture says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Everybody say, no doubting? Let me read it further. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. You know what, what the devil does is he gets us to come to church and pray and then we promptly leave the church and worry, worry, worry. Worry is a form of doubting. And doubting is a form of fear. And brothers and sisters, when I first came to America in 1968, 11 years old, uh, there was a thing in the church world, and especially the Pentecostal churches, that was known as praying through. You ever heard it? Raise your hand if you ever heard it. They used, they used to say, pray until you pray through. That means forsake your watch, forsake your time, forsake your calendar. And do not leave your bedroom, do not leave your bathroom, do not leave your prayer room, do not leave the altar until you have prayed so fervently and passionately until you feel like you, God has heard you and he's beginning to dispatch angels to bring you answers like he did Daniel. I remember as a boy here in America, I was 11 years old, going to some of these churches. Before we even got in the front door, brothers and sisters, especially in summertime, the men would be outside the church at a prayer altar before church started and praying. And you, they were praying through. I remember going in the church and the women would have a women's prayer room and they would pray. And I, we would, sometimes my dad's revivals would go six weeks at a time or eight weeks at a time. And hundreds would be saved because here is the key to answered prayers. When we pray, stay in the presence of God and pray like we believe that God is going to hear us and answer our prayers. Amen, church? You know, it's amazing. It's amazing how the devil understands that if he can steal our faith, he can steal our answers. Didn't Jesus say about his ministry that even in his own hometown of Nazareth, it was said of Jesus, he could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. Hear me, somebody. Jesus was the blind man healer. He was the cleanser of the leper. He was the sea walker. He was the one who could take five loaves, three fish, feed 5,000, have 12 baskets left over. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was mighty. But some places he went, he could not perform many miracles, not because he didn't have the power there, but because of the lack of faith and unbelief of the people. This is just Joseph's son. This is a carpenter's boy. And that's what's going to happen in you and my life. If we are going to pray, believe. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith is impossible to please God. Hebrews said we must believe that God is. I mean, believe He is alive. Say Amen. Say it again. Amen. We must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Faith. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said about faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Let me suggest this to you. Your problem could be your mountain. Jesus, he means a literal mountain too, but he also meant the mountain of your marriage problems. Speak to it and believe. 
the mountain of your job problem, the mountain of your financial problem, the mountain of your internal temptation problem, the mountain of an addiction, a lifestyle, a habit, the mountain of your abuse in the past that you cannot get over. Jesus said, if you will pray and not doubt in your heart, but believe the word of God that he is not a God that will lie. If he told you he would hear you, he will hear you pray on and believe. Now, here's the difference of the world and the church. The, here's a difference from the secular crowd and the Christian crowd. Most people believe when they see. Christians must first believe and then see. That's a good place to say amen. You know, we, we put our trust in banks. Uh, because faith is really all about trust. We trust the banker. We trust the lawyer. We trust the surgeons, we trust the airline pilots, we trust the cook back there in the kitchen that he's going to cook what we ask, not put that no contaminant. And then we have a hard time trusting God. Well, let me clarify. It's amazing, you know. We are people who go to doctors, we go to doctors whose names we can't pronounce. We, we, that doctor gives us a prescription that we can't read. And we take it to a pharmacist we ain't never seen in our lives. And then we get the prescription and don't even understand it. You ever seen these commercials that spend more time warning you about what will kill you if you get this drug? (laughs) Chantex. Go ahead. It will kill you, give you suicidal thoughts. Several have died, but buy this stuff. It's really good for you. And we go home and take it. You know, somebody said this to me years ago, and, and, and my, I'm just having a little fun here, doctors and, and, and dentists, if you're here. We have people of all professions. Uh, somebody said this thing about the prescription. You know, it's supposed to be written from the doctor to the pharmacist, maybe in Latin or some other language. I figured out what that is. That prescription is really the doctor writing the pharmacist, and what it says is, I got mine, now you get yours. <laughs> I only said it to tell you that if you're going to pray, believe. If you're going to, if God, let me tell you something. The Bible says if you earthly parents are asked of your child or children for bread, will you give them a stone? If you earthly parents are asked bread of your children or child, would you give them a serpent? No. He says you being earthly and carnal and prone to the flesh and can miss it, love your children so much. How much more do you think me being your heavenly father, God saying through Jesus, of course, which is God. How much more will your loving heavenly father give you what you ask? But the key to it is believe. You are wasting time and wasting your breath. If all you're doing is flapping your lips and do not believe, God will hear you. All things are possible to them that believe. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty-two, have faith in God. I need to hurry. Examine your motives. If I am going to pray this week and get results for the rest of the year, I'm going to pray more than this week, obviously, but the focus is this week. James 4, 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask wrongly that you may spend it upon your pleasures. I read where one pastor said he had a dream one night and in his dream he saw Jesus. And he said Jesus was weeping profusely in this dream he had. Jesus was weeping and it was obvious that he was broken. And he asked Jesus in the dream, why are you crying, Jesus? And Jesus responded to him, I have more requests for new cars than I have for saving lost souls. How many know that's the wrong motive? We must examine our prayer lists. I've got mine. I hope you'll get yours by then. Here's mine and I'll add to it as I go into this week. I've got it and I'm going to take it to the Lord. But I've got to ask myself. If God answers my prayers, who else is going to get blessed? If God... You see, the kingdom of God is not about Alan, me, myself, and I. The kingdom of God is not about give me that, give me this, and give me the other thing. The kingdom of God is about the whole picture. Haiti, Africa, India, Sharpsburg, Atlanta, red, yellow, black, white, brown. The kingdom. You see, 
The thing that breaks the heart of God is that the people who've been granted their request and promptly backslid. God, if you'll give me the job, I'll make sure that you get one-tenth, which is a tithe. Because I have no job and no means, but I'll realize that you gave it to me and I'll give. And while they started out giving the tithe and offerings because God gave them a job, He gave them a promotion and the pay got higher and it was a little more difficult, they thought, to give the 10% and promptly quit giving to God. Because now they're consuming it upon themselves. There have been people who have been healed. They were in the ICU unit of a hospital. They were going to die in days. The doctor says, we've done all we can. And somebody fasted and prayed for them. And God raised them up out of ICU and put life in them. And they haven't come to church to testify and thank God. That's wrong motives. There are people who said, in their marriage, we are barren. Uh, We want to have a child, but the womb is barren and dry. But if God would let the seed blossom in the womb of my my wife, uh, uh, and a woman would say that about her who desires a child, then then we will honor you with it like, like Hannah did Samuel. I have pastored people in these years who've made promises to God, and God gave them supernatural miracles, only to bring that child only on dedication Sunday, and never bring them back in the house of the Lord. How many know that God's not interesting, interested in blessing disobedience? If I'm asking for money, for a car, for a house, for healing, for deliverance, and all I want to do is go back and let the devil get the glory and never darken the door of the house of God and never bless somebody else and never help in a missions offering and never help in another way. God is only interested in promoting his kingdom through you and I, but he will bless if our motive is pure. You ought to give the Lord some thanks here, somebody. I'm just doing some teaching. Is this working okay, everybody? How do you get power when you pray? Pray according to God's will. 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. How do I know I'm praying in the will of God? Read your Bible. How do I know I'm praying in the will of God? When I'm asking Him, it's not just about me, myself, and I. How do I know when I'm praying in the will of God? When I feel the peace of God come upon me. And the affirmation of the Holy Spirit. He said, God is only obligated to answer my prayers if I want his will first. (laughs) Kind of like that desperate girl who thought she was going to be an old maid too soon. And she had had certain young men come through her life. And God just removed them all because that wasn't the right one for her. She got so desperate about the will of God. And she wanted to please God in her prayer. But she also wanted to have her way. So she said, Lord, have your will, but give me Bill. I mean, no, you don't pray that way. God, I want you to have your will, but this is what I really want. No, the way to pray is, God, if this is your will for me. Tell him what you want. Can I, can I get an amen here? Tell him what you want, but you always ask what you want according to what you already know in the Scripture, okay? And, and so the Bible tells us about praying in God's will. How many of you remember that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, part of the prayer of what we know as the Lord's Prayer includes this phrase, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say amen. Amen. I I want you to break through. I don't want to be any corrosion in your battery cables or your battery poles when you pray this week. I don't want you to give up praying after the first or second day saying this fasting is not doing any good. What I want you to do is press through. And among pressing through is say, God, your will for my life. Somebody say amen. Our fasting and prayer is not to get God to align to our plan. Our fasting and prayer is that we align ourselves to God's plan because He blesses His Word. Here's something else I want you to get, please. I want you to get this. Speak the power of Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, Look at what the Bible says. John 14 and 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Here's another thought. Jesus said in John 16, 23, Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. Oh, blessed be the Lord. The name of Jesus gives you an instant audience with God. Anybody heard me say amen? You know, in these, in these, when you're paying your bills and if you do it through the old-fashioned way of the mail... 
the bill, billing company that sends you the statement of your car premium, pardon me, your car payment, your insurance premium, etc. On the back of the pre-printed envelopes, they have a window for you to put a label, am I right? And on the back of it, they, they give you about three or four reminders. And one of the reminders is, be sure to sign the check. Put your name on there. Because if you write the check and you don't sign your name, it's no good. I say that to tell you that God has given us permission to use the authority of the name of his son, Jesus. Uh, when you travel, and many of you travel, and you travel all over the country because of your work, and some of you travel all over the world. When you do worldwide traveling, as many of you have, and, and I've done little of it, MasterCard or Visa will... If you pay your bills promptly and you meet all the other criteria, will give you the power to use their name in Israel, Africa, India, Trinidad, wherever. MasterCard will tell the creditor that you're good for it by electronic transfer and use their name to give you credit. I am saying to you that God, through Jesus, has given you the power to use the name of Jesus to do business on earth and in the heavenlies. <laughs> I, I got, I got. I'm gonna give you four other thoughts, and I'm gonna come back to this, and I'm gonna close this message. I'm not gonna preach the other four. I want you to have it. Pray in the spirit. Somebody say, "Amen." There is something known as a spiritual prayer language. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and have the gift of tongues, when you run out of English, pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude 1.20 says, But beloved, building up yourself in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that gift, then don't worry about it. Just pray in your, in your own way. If you, if you run out of words and you can groan and cry and you weep and have a little crying session, do it. Pray in the Spirit. The Spirit understands the moaning and the groaning and the travail of our hearts. Say Amen. Let me, let me give you another resource very quickly because I want, to, uh, I want to close with one thought and make a commitment and a covenant with you. Pray specifically. Ask and it shall be given. Matthew 7, 7. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. If you need an apartment, pray for an apartment. If you need a pay raise, pay for a pay raise. If you need a marriage, say, call it out by the words. Every time Jesus was presented with a need, he addressed the need specifically. Pray specifically. Target your prayers. There's more to be said there, but I'm, I'm hastening for the reason of time and another fact. Pray persistently. Defectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person. Persistent means that I keep on going and hammering away. Even though I may be a little tired, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. Can I get another Amen. Because Satan's job when you fast and pray is to distract you with every kind of possible way. But you're like a miner in an underground mine trying to get to the main vein of the ore. And you take that jackhammer and you're persistent. In Luke's gospel, the Bible talks about a widow woman with no means, second class, low down citizen who needed justice from an unjust judge. She would habitually and regularly come to him, beseeching him for justice. And the Bible says about that judge, he didn't fear God, he didn't fear man, he didn't care nobody, much less this woman. But one day he decided, you know what, I don't fear God, I don't fear anybody, I don't even fear this woman. But because she continually persisting, habitually knocking at my door, coming to my judge's chamber, giving me her petition, I'm going to get rid of her. And I'm going to give her justice. And he did. The Bible says that's an unjust judge. Your God is a just God. He'll more rapidly give you. But this thing about, well, I guess that didn't work. I fasted for three hours. That's not warfare. And, and, then, and then, here it is. Here's the story, please. Pray in agreement. Matthew 18, 19, and 20, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, 
It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. That's why I'm saying to you, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, not Friday, but Monday through Thursday, we're having prayer right here in the sanctuary. On Wednesday nights, we'll have our regular schedule with the music, the youth, the children, wherever. But everybody in the sanctuary will be the emphasis of prayer and fasting. We're coming for one hour. One hour for prayer. It's amazing how fast the time goes when we pray together in agreement. This is kind of what we'll do too, so don't, don't worry about, about the time. We'll have prayer stations with themes, like this one I hold in my hand, throughout here in the sanctuary. And you can go there, and some, some of this list family, family needs. And we'll pray for family. And you can, stand, you can stand five minutes there and just pray about family and family needs. Personal issues. We're going to pray this week. We're going to pray about time with the Lord, commitment, forgiving, giving, habits, prayer time, repentance, dedication. We're going, we're going to do some praying. Amen? We're going to pray for our nation. Somebody ought to say amen. Huh? So what I'm saying is, my God, what are we going to do if we come for an hour and pray? How long do you talk on the cell phone? Oh, Jesus, I could have left that out, couldn't I? You can get more out of talking to Jesus. But we're going to, we're going to mix it up with some praises. Don't fear it. Go for it. In the name of Jesus. I'm trying to wrap it up here. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. In the name of Jesus. Oh, the Bible says in Philippians, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. The Bible says God had highly exalted him and given him a name that is above all names. A name that is better than Allah and Muhammad and Buddha and Hare Krishna and Sun Young Moon. In the name of Jesus, demons have got to go. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let me tell you something here. Some years ago, when D.O. Moody was an evangelist in America, and this would be like in the 1800s. He was a prolific evangelist who God used in America and he would travel by ship, which of course the only other means of traveling across the ocean to Europe and have meetings. God used him mightily. One of his contemporaries, evangelist R.A. Torrey, tells this story. R.A. Torrey tells about a, a family during the Civil War who had one child, a son. They lived in the state of Ohio. They dearly loved their boy. Not long after the Civil War broke out, the war between, of course, the North and the South. Not long after the war broke out, this son told his parents that he had enlisted in the army and would soon be leaving home. The parents were saddened by the news, but they loved their country and they loved their son and they respected his decision. But they were burdened by his departure. But they wanted him to depart with honor, so they did not delay him. After the son left home for fighting in the war on the front lines, he wrote home regularly and shared with them some of the experiences of the war. His letters were always full of encouragement. Then one day the letters stopped completely. No more letters. Many days passed and still there were no news. And soon the parents, like you might do if this was you, began to fear fear the worst. Finally, a letter bearing the insignia of the United States government arrived at their home. This letter told of a great battle in which many men had been killed and their son was numbered among the dead. Of course, the parents mourned for days and for weeks. The years passed slowly and finally the war came to an end with only fading memories lingering. Then a strange thing happened one day. A knock came to their front door while they were having breakfast, mom and dad. And the maid at the house brought the word that a poor, ragged man was at the door. And this poor, ragged, homeless, vagrant kind of guy wanted to speak to the man of the house. The maid said she tried to turn him away, but he handed her a note. Well, immediately recognizing his son's handwriting on the note, the father gently unfolded the crumpled up sheet of paper and read these words. Dear Dad and Mom, I have been shot and I have only a short time to live and I'm writing you this last farewell. 
As I write, there is kneeling beside me my best friend in the company. And when the war is over, he will bring you this note. And when he does, be kind to him for Charlie's sake. Signed, your son, Charles. Evangelist story concludes the story by saying, can you just imagine? There was nothing too good that day in that house for that poor tramp. Why? Because they came, that tramp came to their house in the name of their boy. That tramp didn't always used to be a tramp. He stayed alongside their boy in the last breathing moments of his life in the earth. And for Charlie's sake, they received him. In Charlie's name. 2,000 years ago, outside of Jerusalem, on a trash dump, at a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, God's son Jesus was beaten to a pulp and his visage was so marred you didn't recognize him. He was almost naked except for a loincloth. Nailed between two thieves with nails as long as six to eight inches. And his Death was so horrific, he being God, until for three hours the sun refused to shine. Even nature resisted his crucifixion. The earth under the cross shook in a violent earthquake. And there Jesus hung and bled and shed his last blood, drop of blood. Gave up the ghost. But before he left, he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter called the Bible. And he gave it to you and you and you and you and you and you. <laughs> and he said, Take it to my father and tell him that because of my blood and my love, I want you to receive Alan. Steve and Jeff and JC and Mark somebody ought to say the devil says you can't go into the holy of holies you can't get your answer from God your marriage can't be fixed you're always going to be a drunk or a loser but you didn't come in your name you came in the name of your elder brother who is Jesus Christ and you are an overcomer by his blood Stand up all over this house and put your hands together and give the Lord some praise, everybody. Come on. Come on, everybody. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we're going to pray. But here's what we're going to do before you leave today, if you haven't done it yet. There is at the Welcome Center or the atrium. I'm going to take you a few moments. For you to sign this and write down why you're fasting or why you're praying. If you can't fast, don't worry about it. Put it in there anyhow. Reasons for fasting. Now we'll fast beginning the day and when it'll end. If you can't fast because of medical reasons, then turn up the prayers. Say amen. Eat what you have to, but increase the prayers. Tell us why. And we're going to drop it in this box. And this week, we're going to take it to the Lord every week thereafter. If it takes that time. And I told the other service, the other service, and I'm telling you that, that I, I want to make it through this entire week. So I'm declaring before you, so the devil can't tempt me to quit. You are my witnesses. At God's help, I'm going to fast and pray. Because strongholds are going to come down. In the name of Jesus. Do not leave with your burden if you can leave it here. I don't care what it is. You say, I'm not even worthy. Write it down. Put it here. Put the devil to flight and start praying over it. If you've got to make two copies, one for you and one for here, do it. But I want you right now, before you leave, 
to ask God to help you to resist the weakness of the flesh and abort your fasting and prayer. How many know we're going to be attacked? Temporary, temporary. I want you to ask the Lord to abort, to, to change, remove, extricate anything that will steal your intimacy with Him. Uh, this posture, it comes to me, it may be a di- different posture, but perhaps you can just do this. Can you just lay your hands on your chest like this? This comes to me as a way of surrender. Like you're praying for yourself. Right now, offer a prayer uh, above a whisper of commitment. God, if you help me, I'm going to fast and pray. I know you're going to help me increase my faith. Come on in Jesus' name. Pray a covering over yourself, over your flesh, over your family, over your schedule. Father, in Jesus' name, I embrace the position of embrace like you embracing me. Draw me close to you. Come on and pray. Cleanse me. Come on. Lord Jesus, before I begin this fast, wash me and cleanse me and purge me. If there's anything at home that I need to get right with my spouse and children, forgive me. Come on. Come on and pray. God, I renounce bitterness. I renounce judgmental spirit. I renounce criticism. Whatever. Lord, for all of us it's different. I renounce fault finding. I renounce backbiting. I renounce the flesh and my desire to want to, Lord, gratify my stomach when I should try to please God. Help me through this, Lord. The Lord Jesus, not to do it to impress somebody else, but I surrender myself. I surrender myself. Now with those hands, reach up to heaven and use the name of Jesus over whatever you want delivered. Say, in the name of Jesus and pray over what you want. Use it more than once. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. Come on, pray a little louder. Pray a little louder, a little more passionately. In the name of Jesus, I will get a job and a good paying job. In the name of Jesus, my baby is well and fine because God has given me his blessing. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we thank you that bitterness is gone. In the name of Jesus, financial breakthroughs will come. In the name of Jesus, oh God, you will give people a call to the ministry and they'll respond. In the name of Jesus, hearts are going to heal, lungs are going to clear up, cancer is going to go. Come on, pray with me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, high blood pressure has got to go. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, diabetes has got to go. Help me pray. Lord. We use Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now put your hands together and give him some thanks. Come on. So, if, if you are able and you're got in conflict with your schedule or your time, I look for you tomorrow night at 7. But until then, take you something, a note, paper, go, write it down, bring it back. Let's break through. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.